0: Marvel wants to put butts back in cinema seats, PlayStation and Discord are best friends now, and Epic vs Apple is airing all of the video game industry's dirty laundry. Hi, I'm your host Daniel, and this is your weekly roundup. On Monday the 3rd of May, the week began with Marvel releasing a short hype teaser for Phase 4 of the MCU, titled, Marvel Studios Celebrates the Movies. The scissor reel contained voiceover from Stan Lee, footage from Endgame, but most importantly, ended in a way that will get all fans of the superhero cinematic universe excited. The House of Mouse used this scissor reel to give dates and title treatments to the full slate of MCU's Phase 4 films, with movies all the way through 2023. Let's do a quick run-through of each of the upcoming movies, what was shown, and any new information we gained. Up-first footage from the upcoming Black Widow film, showing more of the film's main antagonist, Taskmaster, Florence Pugh's Yelena, and of course ScarJo as the titular Black Widow, donning her fancy new white suit. It also once more confirmed the film's July 9th release date, in which it will be coming to cinemas around the world, wherever they are open, but also debuting on the Disney Plus streaming service as part of its Premier access feature, meaning you have to give Walt $30 or Mickey Mouse will come and break your kneecap. Next, footage from Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings highlighting Simu Liu fighting his way through the streets of San Francisco. This included new shots that weren't in the trailer from a few weeks ago, but nothing too groundbreaking. This also confirmed the film's September 3rd release date, making it the second MCU flick to be dropping in 2021. This was followed by the first ever footage of Eternals, slated for November 5th, 2021. This film stars a number of big names like Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek and Kumail Nanjiani as the Eternals, an ancient race of immortal beings who shaped Earth and its civilizations the footage is primarily shots of the actors standing around looking cool, there is one badass shot of Angelina Jolie wielding some sort of space magic sword, even cooler. This is the first we have seen of the Eternals film since D23 2019, where the cast were paraded out on stage to stand in front of images of them wearing their costumes, and it's safe to say they look way less dorky in motion. The fourth and final MCU project of 2021, Spider-Man No Way Home, was given a title treatment very similar to its predecessors Homecoming and Far From Home. The third in the trilogy for Tom Holland, the Webslinger's latest jaunt is the first since Disney and Sony's new licensing agreement regarding the fan-favorite character. The New Deal covers appearances from Tom Holland's Spider-Man in two more movies, this final movie in the Spider-Man Home trilogy, as well as one more mystery project. This also means Disney's share in the profits increase from 5% to 25%, but their contributions to the production cost will raise from the original 0% to also roughly 25%. Whether this really will be the web-slinger's penultimate outing in the MCU is uncertain, though, as if this film continues the billion-dollar box office trend, it'll be in both studios' best interests to continue playing nice with each other to keep Spider-Man in the MCU. Up next, the first of the 2022 MCU films, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. While we are yet to see anything from the latest outing from the Sorcerer Supreme, we do know a few facts about the upcoming film. The director of 2016's Doctor Strange, Scott Derrickson, stepped away from the project early last year, and was replaced by Sam Raimi of Spider-Man fame. The film synopsis thus far is as follows: After the events of Enders Endgame, Doctor Stephen Strange's continuing research on the time zone is hindered by a friend turned enemy, resulting in Strange unleashing unspeakable evil. Fans speculate that the friend turned enemy in question is none other than Karl Modo, who in the post credit scenes of the 2016 film had seemed to have lost face in the mystic arts, sharing the sentiment, too many sorcerers. In 2019's D23 event, it was confirmed that the film would be the MCU's first entry into the horror genre, and it is also confirmed to lead on directly from the events of the Disney Plus series, WandaVision. Doctor Strange was followed by the title treatment for the fourth Thor movie, Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder is being helmed by Ragnarok director Taika Waititi and is taking heavy inspiration from the acclaimed Jason Aaron Thor comic run. Natalie Portman is reprising her role of Jane Foster, returning to the franchise after leaving it due to a dispute around Patty Jenkins being snubbed for the director's position on Thor The Dark World. In 2019's D23 event, it was confirmed that much like in Aaron's comic run, Jane Foster would be the one to wield the hammer, leaving many fans to speculate what could have happened between Endgame and now to cause Thor to become unworthy. Batman actor Christian Bale joined the project to portray Gore, the God Butcher, who is one of my favourite comic villains ever. Like, read the Jason Aaron run. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. I don't think the movie's going to be exactly like it, so you won't be spoiling it for yourself. So just read that comic run. And Russell Crowe has been confirmed to be playing Zeus. Thor, Love and Thunder is given a date of May 6th, 2022. Following that, the sequel to 2017's Black Panther was given its title treatment for the first time, revealing the subtitle, Wakanda Forever. After the devastating passing of the series' lead, Chadwick Boseman, Many fans have been wondering how the MCU would handle the sequel to the breakout success that was the first Black Panther film. In a recent interview, actress Lupita Nyong'o stated that director Ryan Coogler has reshaped the film to respect Boseman's death. Fans are speculating as to who will take up the mantle of the Black Panther, with a the popular theory that Shuri, Princess of Wakanda and sister to T'Challa will, may take up the mantle. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is slated to come to cinemas on July 8th, 2022. The fourth and final MCU film release of 2022 is the sequel to 2019's Captain Marvel, which also received its title treatment in this sizzle reel. The film will be titled The Marvels, and there is a lot to break down in this logo. The name The Marvels obviously implies the inclusion of Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, but there are some Easter eggs that point to the inclusion of a few other big characters. The first of these easter eggs is located within the A of the word Marvel. Eagle-eyed fans will recognise the logo of the superhero Captain Photon, or as fans may know her, Monica Rambeau. Rambeau has already made her appearance in the MCU, portrayed by Tayona Paris in the Disney Plus series WandaVision, where in the penultimate episode, the character gains superpowers as a result of numerous interactions with the Heck, the magical force field created around the town of Westview by Wanda Maximoff. In the comics, Monica Rambeau has had many superhero aliases, not the least of which is Captain Marvel, lending credence to her involvement in the film. The second easter egg in this title treatment is in the word S of Marvel. Fans of the recent Avengers video game will immediately recognise this as the logo of one Kamala Khan, or Ms. Marvel. It has been previously confirmed by Marvel Studios that a TV series by the title of Miss Marvel will be coming in 2021, starring Aman Vellani as the titular character. The Marvel's is slated to release on the 11th of November 2022. Next, a movie we've known about since 2019's D23, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which promises to be a story as wacky as its title about the titular characters, as well as their now extended team, which includes Michelle Pfeiffer as Jeanette Van Dyne, better known as the original Wasp. The film is slated for a February 17th, 2023 release date. The last title shown was that of the final film in the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy, simply titled Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Director James Gunn is returning to director project after a firing and rehiring by Disney, Caused the film to be delayed later into Phase 4 and is set to deal with the repercussions of Gamora's death and the arrival of alternate timeline Gamora into the MCU's prime timeline. The ending of Avengers Endgame has also caused many MCU fans to believe that the hero Thor will be joining the Guardians on their latest adventure, which is sure to make it even goofier than the last. Series star Dave Bautista recently said in an interview with Digital Spy that considering his contract with Marvel Studios only extended for three Guardians movies, that Volume 3 might be the last time we see Drax on the big screen, after the studio apparently snubbed a pitch from James Gunn about a Drax and Mantis spin-off film. Fans can expect to see The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in theatres on May 25th, 2023. Moving away from Marvel, but staying in the realm of superheroes, Netflix's entry into the subversive, overly violent superhero subgenre, Jupiter's Legacy, released its whole first season this past Friday to mixed reviews. The series is based on the renowned comic of the same name by Mark Miller and Frank Quietly, and its stars include actors Josh Jamal, Alana Kampuris, and Matt Latner. IGN's David Griffith gave the series a 7 out of 10, citing the series' exciting superhero action, compelling stories, and memorable characters. Personally, I fell asleep watching the first episode last night, but to be fair, it was 2am and I was already lying in bed, and for what it's worth I enjoyed the first 15 minutes I saw before I fell asleep. The past week saw Star Wars Day, May the 4th, come and go, and although Disney couldn't put on the usual Star Wars celebration, Star Wars fans were instead gifted with the premiere episode of The Bad Batch, the spiritual sequel to the long-running animated series The Clone Wars. The 70-minute-long premiere titled Aftermath deals with Clone Force 99, a unique group of clones finding their place in the world after the events of Order 66. The series follows the introduction of Clone Force 99 in the final series of The Clone Wars, with a genetically defective clone group first featured. The second episode of the series released on Friday, and it is set for a 16-episode run on Disney+. In the world of video games, the Epic vs. Apple lawsuit rages on, and as it does, much of the video games industry's dirty laundry is being aired out. For those unfamiliar with the conflict back in 2020, Epic Games attempted to undercut what they deemed to be unfair practices from Apple regarding microtransactions on App Store apps by adding an alternative way to pay for V-Bucks in the iOS version of its hit game Fortnite. This allowed players to purchase the virtual currency directly from Epic Games within the app, rather than paying via Apple's own built-in in-app purchase system. Apple's system is in theory designed to protect iOS users from predatory transactions and scams within apps from their app store, but in reality allows the tech giant to take a 30% cut of any revenue made from in-app purchases. A percentage Epic Games implies is way too high. Epic Games' systems undercut Apple caused Apple to remove Fortnite from the iOS app store due to breaching its app store's terms and conditions regarding microtransactions, a move which provoked a legal response from Epic. The trial began this past Monday, the 3rd of May 2021. Epic Games is no stranger to the debate surrounding revenue splits after its release of the Epic Game Store in December of 2018. The Epic Game Store offered a more generous revenue split to developers compared to the PC games retailing giant Steam, which like Apple, takes a 30% cut of any transactions made on the platform. Epic, instead, only takes 12% of the revenue made on a game sale within its platform. And if a game is made using the company's Unreal Engine, Epic includes the 5% royalty they erode as part of the engine's licensing fee within the 12% sales fee. This makes the Epic Games Store an increasingly attractive place for smaller developers to publish their games. Now you may be wondering, why do I care about a trillion company and a billion dollar company fighting each other in court? Well you probably don't, but for gamers a lot of interesting and previously unheard industry knowledge is being declassified as part of the proceedings. To starters, it became known that PlayStation is the only of the Big Three console manufacturers to charge Epic Games to allow crossplay on its platform. Sony famously blocked Fortnite Crossplay in 2018 after it was discovered by players that Epic Games had accidentally enabled the feature earlier that year. As PlayStation 4 held the highest install base across the Big Three consoles last generation, it was Sony's view that allowing players to purchase cosmetic items on other platforms such as Xbox and then use these items on PlayStation was a loss of money for the tech giant. As if the players were restricted to only playing on a PlayStation console, it stands to reason that the player would have spent that money within the PlayStation ecosystem instead. While this is slightly flawed logic, as some players may not play on PlayStation as their primary console, and as such would, it, would not have spent money on the PlayStation version of the game if Crossplay didn't exist, this is not PlayStation's stance. The Verge's Tom Warren writes Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney confirmed in their testimony today that Sony is the only platform holder that requires this compensation for Crossplay. In certain circumstances, Epic will have to pay additional revenue to Sony, said Sweeney. If somebody were primarily playing on PlayStation, but paying on iPhone, then this might trigger compensation. Sweeney also revealed that Epic had to agree to pay these additional fees to Sony in order to enable cross-play in Fortnite. Sony also stipulates in the policy that publishers can't transfer virtual currency to or from PlayStation, and there must be a setting to disable all cross-platform interaction. That's not all to come out of the lawsuit. It's also been confirmed that Epic has spent at least $11.6 million dollars On its free game program, but has gained 5 million new users in return. John Porter from The Verge writes, a new document released as part of Epic's legal battle with Apple has revealed how much Epic paid developers to give away their games for free following the launch of the Epic Game Store in December 2018. The document, which was spotted by writer Simon Carles, covered the 38 games given away free between December and September the following year. We already know that Epic is spending millions on its giveaways but the new document reveals how much that translates to on a per game basis. Epic CEO Tim Sweeney previously revealed that the company pays a flat fee to each developer to give away their games, rather than paying per download. Over the period covered by the document, Epic paid over $11.6 million in total for the games. In response to the deals, almost 5 million new users signed up to the store, which translates to Epic paying $2.37 for each new user it signed up in this period. That's money which the company would theoretically make back if each new user went on to buy just one $20 game, based on the 12% revenue split Epic takes on new purchases. It's certain that many more interesting games industry tidbits will come to light as the lawsuit rages on, so make sure you get subscribed so you don't miss an update. After news last week that Discord rejected Microsoft's $10 billion offer to buy the popular voice and video chat platform, Discord and Sony announced this week that a partnership will bring the popular chat platform to PlayStation consoles in 2022. On the PlayStation blog, PlayStation CEO and President Jim Ryan writes, At PlayStation, we are constantly looking for new ways to enable players around the world to connect with one another, form new friendships and communities, and share fun experiences and lasting memories. It's in this spirit that we are excited to announce a new partnership with Discord, the communication service popularised by gamers and used by more than 140 million people every month around the world. This partnership is a major win for Sony, whose current voice chat system has been a pain point for many PlayStation gamers, as Discord's popularity on the PC is a testament to its quality and ease of use. This partnership also has the potential to make cross-platform chat easier between the PC and PlayStation ecosystems, since the inclusion of the app on the PS5 means that PlayStation users won't have to use janky solutions and multiple sets of headphones to chat with their PC friends while they click heads in the warzone. First-person shooter giant Bungie has announced its latest content drop for Destiny 2 this week, titled Season of the Splicer. Season of the Splicer will have Guardians team up against the Fallen Kell of Light, Mithrax, the last of the Sacred Splicers, as they fight against the Vexed, who have plunged the earth into darkness using a simulation that has turned off the sun? More importantly to play as the season will bring a handful of new content, including a six-man Matchmade activity for the first time in over a year, plenty of new and returning weapons and armor sets, a mysterious weekly activity that takes place in the game's infinite forest now with a more Tron-like aesthetic, and to many veteran players' pleasure, the return of the Vault of Glass raid. The Vault of Glass was the first raid ever in Destiny 1, releasing in the game's second week, and is deemed by many as the only reason the first game wasn't a complete failure. Players will be able to start playing the new season when it releases on May 11th, and re-enter the Vault of Glass when it reopens on May 22nd. And for our final story of the week, I'd like to start a brand new segment, which I like to call Where is GTA 5 on the PlayStation Australia's Weekly Top Sellers Chart this week? For those of you who don't know, each week PlayStation publishes a list of the top 10 best-selling games on the PlayStation platform. And somehow, after being out for almost 8 years, Grand Theft Auto V seems to make the list every single week. This week, Grand Theft Auto V takes the top spot, being the highest-selling game of the week, beating out the likes of Call of Duty Cold War and NBA 2K21. So that is your roundup for this week. Was there anything I missed? If so, let me know on socials at DanielF737. Make sure to follow the show on podcast services and subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch the video version. Until next week, goodbye.